Jason. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Here's Carr back into the gun. In trouble. Going to get hit from behind. Sack oh, fumble. Wow. Ball's loose. This is the press box. Derek, uh, the the, uh, the wide receivers didn't get a lot of get a lot of targets and catches today. Obviously, um, is this uh, what Darren you did say? Though. What's that? Darren did though. Oh yeah, yes he did. Okay, we checked that box this week. On ESPN Las Vegas. Thanks for the warning. What were you reading? You were reading the newspaper. He was reading his own article. (laughs) No, I didn't write today. I was reading Adam Hill about Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler being patient when it comes to free agency that first week of the frenzied names that were out there. They wanted to be patient before they did anything. And I was reading about how Josh McDaniels thinks they can get more out of the offensive line by just coaching up the guys they have. So that's, that's that's the line from the head coach on the offensive line, the one position they probably needed to improve most. That's a scary yeah, line. Much. It's a scary line. Scary line from the head coach. Scary line in front of Derek Carr all season. Yeah. Maybe uh, we said yesterday we we're going to talk about Carr here. As much as his negotiations are about him, he might want to also know who's blocking for him. <laughs> I'd say, hey, that's not enough money if these are the guys blocking for me. Alex Leatherwood again? Alex Leatherwood. They're going to, uh, I suppose, I guess they're going to uh, see where he fits best. Oh, boy. On the bench? I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's a bit, he's, he's a big guy. The bench, guy. they may need to get a different He's bench. A big dude. Uh, yeah, good stories there. Adam and Vin, uh, Adam and Vinny, little golf clap. You almost missed the, the start of the show reading. <laughs> nah, <laughs> you know, I was on that. Hey, that's I how he track of time. I lose track of time. <laughs> the first bite. The first bite this week is brought to you by the Cofield and Company podcast. How confident are you that Derek Carr will get an extension from the Raiders? I'm very confident he's getting an extension. I just don't know if the extension he's going to want. And I think we talked about this a lot yesterday in terms of uh, it. it we're going to you know say what McDaniel said, but it would be more about term than money because I don't think they can argue with the money given the market and what the market bears for someone like him and you know what quarterbacks get paid. So, And I don't even think – it's silly to say. I don't even think they care about the money as much as they do how long he's going to be committed for, how long they're going to be committed to him. I don't think the money has much to do with it, to tell you the truth. Why would Derek Carr sign an extension he doesn't want, though? Well, what's his alternative? Sit out? Play the year and then become an unrestricted free agent and I, go somewhere else? Uh, and what's the what's the alternative? A two-year extension at 35 a year? And so if, it, if it's going to end up being about the amount of years, then yeah, presumably the Raiders would be offering a short-term deal and Carr would want a longer-term deal. And what, yeah, two years when he wants five or something like that. If I'm Derek Carr and I want the five years and I just saw Deshaun Watson get his contract fully guaranteed, what Matt Stafford got his extension like 75, 80% guaranteed. Why wouldn't why wouldn't Derek Carr play the final year on this contract and then become an unrestricted free agent? Because the Raiders are his home and he doesn't want to leave and he's only going to play for the Raiders. That's why he's going to retire. They've got the leverage. He's going to retire the Raider. He's already said that. He's on record saying that's why. But like in all, if you're Derek Carr, you're 31 years old right now, right? Like if he was an unrestricted free agent after next season, assuming he plays the same way he's played his you know entire career, Derek Carr is getting paid in the off season. Somebody's given Derek Carr a five-year deal. Well, he'd have to really believe in himself, also, and all you know, and, and I'm sure he does. But you know, we're saying that, and yet 
I think guys with families and want long-term security look at that and say it's 70 million or around 70 million dollars it might not be what I want but 70 compared to 20 in a very very hard sport at 31 uh, yeah it wouldn't be what he wants but I think he'd play it I think I mean he's not going to be happy I, obviously the negotiations are not going well enough to where he's happy with what they're saying and we neither of us believe that they haven't had negotiations they've talked to the agent and they probably exchanged terms I just don't think he would play on the one year. I don't think he'd walk away from 70, 65, 70 million guaranteed. I don't, I don't think he would do that. He might not be happy. He wouldn't be happy. He's not going to be happy with a two-year deal. But to say, I'm not playing at all, or or I'm playing on one year at 19 million and I could have 65, I wouldn't do that. But the next offseason, he could have if he doesn't get 125 million. If nothing happens to him. Well, yeah. It's a hard, you're, well, you're I mean, taking that's a, you're taking that's a, a gamble risk. that you're it's not going to get risk. hurt, but... I think that's willing. I think that's probably well, something you're willing to take if you're Derek Carr, if you really want the five-year deal. Now, from the Raiders' standpoint, they should just give him five years. If they're if they're going to give him two, just give him five years. Because here's the Raiders put the Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler put themselves into basically a three-year window, which in reality is what new head coaches get when you're a new head coach or new GM. You get about three years to prove how good you are. And then, Hey, things are going well. Here's an extension. Oh, things are going very poorly. You're fired. And we're bringing somebody else in. If they sign Derek Carr to a two-year extension and things go extremely well for the Raiders over the next three years, they're probably signing Derek Carr to another extension. After that, if they sign Derek Carr to a three-year or to a five-year or excuse me, three-year extension and things go poorly, they're getting fired. So what's it matter to McDaniels and Ziegler if they give this guy five years, either they're going to have to do that anyways, or they're going to be fired and not have to worry about the last two years of that extension. So if I'm McDaniels and Ziggler and Derek Carr wants five years, I, if I'm willing to give him two, I'm willing to give him five because what either I'm getting fired because we suck or I'm excited. I'm signing you to an extension because we want to keep you around. What if they don't suck and he's not great? What if it's like 10 and seven and he's just, he's okay. And they see someone in the draft that they think they can get or they can move up and they like some, they love someone in the draft. Then go get him. Then you gave him five years. You can trade Carr. Eh. I mean, I, I guess. I, I, I just think I would give him – I think they want to give him the short term. I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think they want to give him five years for whatever reason. Look, if they wanted to give him five years, the guy would have been signed a month right, ago. Right, but I'm saying they should because either they're getting fired because they sucked – or they're going to extend the guy because everything worked out well for them and they're going to well, want maybe to keep they him around. Maybe they extend him five years and only guarantee a portion of it, yeah. and that way they can get rid of him. I mean, if you if you give Derek Carr a five-year extension, I assume, unless Derek Carr's over there demanding it be fully guaranteed like Sean Watson, which I doubt well, he that's is. That's not going to happen. But if you give Derek Carr a five-year extension, most of the time in the NFL, about 75% of that or less guaranteed. is guaranteed. So you're looking at about three and a half years of that five-year deal being guaranteed. So he's your quarterback for the next three seasons. And then what? If you guys are good, great. Derek Carr's coming back. If they suck, Ziggler and McDaniels are gone. And if they're somewhere in the middle where it's some sort of purgatory where Mark Davis doesn't know whether he wants to keep him or not, and he does keep him, then they can move on from Carr because the rest of it's not guaranteed. Like to me, the five-year extent, it's, it's a no-brainer. If that's all they're arguing over, it's a no-brainer. Give Derek Carr the five-year I think extension. that's all they're arguing over. Then give it. I don't Because I don't think the money has anything to do with yeah. that. Give it to him. You the, said yesterday, let's say he wants 37, they want 34. Then you meet in the middle. The right. money has nothing to do with this. You should be able to figure that if out. If he wants 40, 
and they want 35, they'll be able to figure that yeah. out. As long as long as it's not like McDaniels and Ziggler offering like 25. They should well, be fine. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they would be doing that though. I, I don't, don't think I don't think the money has anything to do with it. 3 years, 25 a year, fully guaranteed. No way you take that if you're Derek Carr. <laughs> Zero chance you accept that. No signing bonus, no roster <laughs> bonus. No. <laughs> 75 million? Well, he's not going to get Deshaun Watson because no one's no one's as dumb as the Browns. I mean, yeah, no so one should. No, no one's that dumb. How? So they might get Baker Mayfield. <laughs> here's my here's my other question. Do you think? And this is on the money side of it. Is there any chance that McDaniel's and Ziggler want Derek Carr to do what Tom Brady did and take what's effectively a smaller deal to help the rest of the team? Because Tom well, that Brady, helps them, right? Yeah. Well, when Tom I Brady mean, was at the Patriots, them. the highest his cap hit ever was was twenty three million dollars. But more importantly, because the salary cap's gone up so much, Tom Brady's cap hit was never higher than 13% of the cap. And for the majority of his career, his his cap hit was less than 10% of that year's salary cap. If Carr were to get $40 million, if his cap hit was $40 million, and granted, you can get your way around what the cap hit actually is, but if his cap hit was $40 million, that would be 19% of this year's cap. And the cap's supposed to go up next year, it would still be about 18% of next year's cap. I wonder if there's any sort of, Hey, Derek, you know, this is what Tom Brady did for two decades and look how much success he had. You should take a little bit less money so that we can help build a better team around you. You don't want Alex Leatherwood starting at right guard. Do you? Well, we need some more money oh, to I'm, sign a guy there. I'm sure that could be a, a card they're playing. Although Brady doesn't count because Giselle makes more than him. So he could always, he's like, All right, Hey whatever. Derek, you gotta, you yeah, gotta, Derek. <laughs> can your wife get a job? <laughs> can your wife get a job making 50 million here? If so, this will, this will work out for you. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would think that that's anything beneficial. Like McDaniel said yesterday, uh, Derek's got to do what's best for him and the team has to do what's best for us. And what would be, I assume what in their minds, what would be best for them is to have more money to put better people around them, starting with the offensive line. So, I mean, I'm not going to be shocked at all if you tell me that's part of their negotiation. Now, again, it goes back to that sweet spot, whatever that really means, and what his and he and his agent are willing to do. So you think the Raiders have more leverage than Derek Carr? I absolutely do. Because you don't think Carr would play this year on his current contract? No, I don't think he would. Okay. Because if that's would. true, if Carr you does just one. Here's your twenty million. Right, he's, I don't think he's he got one that. year left. It's like nineteen. I don't care what he says million. about allegiance to the team. Yeah, you don't think he would? Not with what everyone else is getting around so the league. You think either one of? Do you think he would hold out at all, or do you think he's just going to accept the extension eventually? I think he's going to accept the extension eventually. Okay, so which would give him no leverage because he's ultimately going to just decide. Yeah, I'm going to stay here and sign whatever right. they offer me. I'm going to make, I'm going to negotiate to get it as best as I can, but it's okay. Which would mean he's got no leverage and McDaniels and Ziggler should just offer them whatever short-term deal they want and never offer anything again. I if mean, Derek I think, Carr was willing to hold out, he has all the leverage. If it's a huge, if for Derek, and Carr. I think you should like if they're, if they're depending on how far apart they are in negotiations, right? Like if they're close, then you don't need to hold out over whatever we're arguing over a million and a half or a year or something like that. But if it's like, if car wants, let's say car wants five years and 40 million every year and the Raiders are offering three years and 35 million every year, then car should hold out. Car should absolutely hold out because McDaniels and Ziggler have gone all in for this season. And if they don't have Derek Carr, what do they do? Well, they're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, what the, 
Derek Carr, if he's willing to hold out, Derek Carr has that's, the leverage because they went all in this that's year. That's a big if. I don't right. think he would. And, I don't think he would. And I think he should. I think he should be willing to do that because of the offseason the Raiders have had, as exciting as it is, because, uh-oh, the team might be good. The team might have be a legitimate contender. Carr should see that and say, okay, I play the most important position. You're not giving me what I want. You gave Max Crosby. You gave Chandler Jones. You gave Devontae Adams what they wanted. I play the most important position. You're going to give me what I want, or I'm going to hold out, and you're going to be left well, with Who'd they sign last week as quarterback? I already forgot. <laughs> Garrett Gilbert? Isn't that one of them? No idea That's the signed. one that they signed because, remember, Trevor Simeon said, no, thank you. Oh, went to the Simeon Bears. ditched him and went to the Bears. You're missing the entire point here, which this will be done after four more dinners. Only four? Only four more dinners. They're, 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 <laughs> they've almost gotten to know each other. Josh McDaniels is walking down the street with a crock pot that he's trying to <laughs> make Florida it. In at the owners' meetings. Yesterday was Derek Carr's birthday. You think Josh McDaniels 31 got him anything? now? Yeah, you think Josh McDaniels got him anything? You think he knew? Well, if he's on Twitter, he knew because everyone was saying happy birthday to the guy. <laughs> he better know. Josh DeBow even said happy birthday to him. How would he not? He's got to know, right? That it was his birthday? He's got to know. I think someone told him. He's got to know. He's, uh, knowing without anyone telling to know him? him yet? Haven't they gotten to know him enough yet? No, I don't think so. Don't I think he probably knew he was 30, yet? but I don't think they're exchanging birthday cards yet. You <sighs> might have had a PR guy go, hey, by the way, it's his birthday. Well, Josh McDaniel's birthday is April 22nd. So next no. month. If he's not signed by then, there won't be any birthday cards. <laughs> Tell you that. <laughs> there won't be any happy birthdays if this who, guy's not locked up by then. Who gets the, uh, let's assume they're nice to each other. Who gets the better birthday gift for the other person? The quarterback to the head coach or the head coach to the quarterback? Uh, does he have his contract extension? No, he no. We're, well, he doesn't have it, but we're just assuming they like each other. Like they might not like each other at the moment because they don't have a contract extension. The quarterback to the head coach. Head okay. coach has way too much to worry about. He's got more guys to worry about. He's got more things to worry about. All the quarterback would be worried about is going to buy a gift. You know what the real answer is? Who's ever wife is a better gift giver. It's true. Yeah. You got to stay on that. Believe me, I know that. <laughs> That's both you and I? Believe me, I know that. I, <laughs> I, I just signed the card. <laughs> Coming up next, Bryce Hamilton is officially heading to the NBA. Rebels down by five. Hamilton a three. It's no good. And there was a foul there. Right on his arm. What an absolutely horrible no call. Bryce got hit right on the arm, right in front of us, and it wasn't called. Wow. That is absolutely atrocious. Just atrocious. Bryce was hit on the arm right in front of us, and there was no call. And that could be the game. Brady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. It's going to be a long offseason without John Sandler calls. We're going to keep those in some sort of regular rotation, Jared. Uh, Bryce Hamilton officially declared for the NBA draft yesterday. Said a thank you to UNLV on Twitter but finished by saying I'm excited for the next chapter of my life and what the future holds. Uh, first off, how will Bryce Hamilton be remembered by UNLV fans? He ends up top 10 well, in UNLV in scoring. He stayed four seasons through three different head coaches, which sounds like that's fake. Like that's not a real detail, but it is. But Bryce Hamilton never played in the postseason. UNLV didn't actually have a good team while he was here. 
pretty much the kid who got hit on the arm, and uh, there was no call made. Uh, no, I mean, I thought he, I thought he got better. He's a great kid. Um, going to graduate, uh, which I think that's really important. We didn't mention that here. I think that's always important. Um, uh, did go through three head coaches, we can't, which couldn't have been easy. Like you said, look, he didn't make the NCAA tournament, but if you walk away from a program top ten in scoring, especially UNLV, I think you've had a really nice career. Um, I think you know a kid like that who can walk away and always look back and and say he was a top ten scorer at a program that won a national title, also albeit a long time ago. It's you know it's a it's a program that has done that. I think he had a good career. He you know he didn't get better at certain aspects of his game, but I thought he was loyal to the program. Came back last year and uh, really good kid. I mean, I thought every time you and I dealt with him. Um, Really good with with the media. Uh, never kind of blew us off. Never said no comment. So I like the kid a lot. I hope he I hope he does well. Yeah, he was he was great talking to the media. I think the biggest problem for like where Bryce Hamilton stands as far as like remembering him as a UNLV player. Well, two biggest problems. One, there's no NCAA tournament, so that that's not all his fault, right? It's and it's not. But the other one is like he didn't have a whole lot of moments. Like when you think about Bryce Hamilton's career, what are the moments you think about? Like there's the only two that come to my mind. He put up 45 on Colorado state and the step back three against Nevada. And those were both this year, right? Like what other big moments did Bryce Hamilton have? I mean, I can't think of it right now. Like you he watched had, it a lot closer than I did. He scored a bunch of points, right? He was a big reason why they won most of the games they won in right. the last three seasons. But like, as far as just like big moments go, I don't. There's not many to really remember. So like, when you think back to Bryce Hamilton, you're not really going to think back to too many moments. It's going to be, oh yeah, he put up 45 on Colorado State and he scored a bunch. But it's not even like, oh, remember when he hit the game winner against whoever? I don't even think he. Ever, I don't think he had a game winner against anybody the entire. I mean, hell, Marvin Coleman hit a buzzer beater to win a game. Like that happened. So Is that how we're going to remember him? Uh, yeah, he had a triple double in a game too. Right. <laughs> but like, even Marvin Coleman had some moments where it's like it's it's interesting because there's no postseason and then there's no moments to really be like, oh yeah, that's the signature Bryce Hamilton moments. I guess the 45 against Colorado State is what's going to end up being that moment. Now for his future, does he get drafted? I think his best shot is maybe late second round. Maybe it depends on his workouts. Um, depends where he gets invited. Where does he get invited? What the you know. Does he get invited to the right camps, the right workouts? Um, maybe second round. But here's the thing. This is why he should leave, because he was never going to be better than that. So you might as well go now and maybe he plays in the G League. He can certainly play overseas for money. There's no question about that. So I think maybe late second round. Maybe. The way Bryce Hamilton gets drafted is if a team believes he can be uh, like a bench scorer. Like a guy that, hey, the second unit's in, and Bryce Hamilton is the primary shooter, right? Is the guy that we're going to put the ball in his hands when the bench unit is in. If an NBA team believes in that, then Bryce Hamilton will probably get drafted because the problem for Bryce Hamilton is that he is not going to be the lead guy on an NBA team, right? He's been the lead guy for UNLV for three years where, hey, we put the ball in your hands, go create your own shot. That's not going to happen in the NBA because he's not going to be the best player on his team at any point when he's in the NBA. So as a role player, when you're a guard, you need to be able to do two things well. Shoot the three and defend. And Bryce Hamilton did not do either of those two things well in his collegiate career. He ended up as a 33.1% shooter from three, which is dead average. And he was 
always a below average defender, right? He, he wasn't a great defender at UNLV. So he doesn't have probably the two most important traits that a role player needs in the NBA. His best trait is he can create his own shot. The problem is, is he's not super efficient and going to the NBA, he's probably going to be even less efficient. And so an NBA team has to basically look at him and say, okay, he can create his own shot. We need that for our second unit. When our second unit's in the game for six minutes in the second quarter, we're going to give Bryce Hamilton, he's going to take seven or eight shots in that six minutes, and that's his role on this team. If so, somebody, he's, so he's a long shot. Right. If somebody believes that, then he absolutely could get drafted. The other issue for Bryce Hamilton, he is not um, like, he doesn't have like, he's not like the athletic freak. Right. No. Like he's not no, extremely he's not tall. That. He doesn't have no. a giant wingspan. He's not unbelievably fast. Right. No. He's average for like the NBA player for all those tra- traits. If that, yes, so if that you're not drafting Bryce Hamilton and expecting, oh man, this guy's really tall or this guy's really fast. And we can, we can use that. We can find a way to use that. He kind of is what he is. Bryce Hamilton's probably not getting taller or faster or anything like that. He kind of is what he is. So what he was in college doesn't really translate well to what his role would be in the NBA. So I would guess he goes undrafted, but I think there's a chance somebody says, yeah, we can use a guy that can create his own I think shot someone in the second the round might, but that's the highest he'd ever get. Yeah. I mean, he was never getting higher than that. Obviously, he was, you know, least kept secret at all when he, he committed. He was never coming back, nor should he, by the way. He played four years, and this is as high as his draft stock's going to be, so I wish him luck. Um, I hope he gets drafted. I mean, it might not be great if he gets drafted. It might be better if he can kind of choose and see what the roster yeah. looks like. So, But kids want to get drafted. They want to hear their name on that night. I get that. But in his sense, for all you just said, it might be better if he and his agent can kind of you know evaluate teams and rosters and try to get into a camp with one of those teams. He might be one of the one of the like funny things you'll hear at the end of drafts is guys that end up getting picked in like the last five picks their agents will have already like negotiated a deal with another team to be a free agent right. and sign. And then they right. get draft and they're like, Oh wait, that's yeah. not good. <laughs> especially, yeah. Especially if it's a team that doesn't play to the strengths. Right. So we'll see what happens with Bryce Hamilton, but he is gone and he'll Bryce Hamilton, depending on how much he wants to travel outside of the country, Bryce Hamilton will be able to make money playing basketball yes, at the end he'll of make the day. Money. Like he's good enough to be able to make money somewhere playing basketball. It just depends on how much he wants to travel, but he's gone. Uh, NBA dream now going to be chased for Bryce Hamilton. Coming up next, David Roth joins the show. I'm excited to see Gwen Stefani. Not sentences I'd imagine that you would have said very much if you had been in a different city. Not that we're trying to do native advertising for the city of Las Vegas, which I personally don't care (laughs) for very much. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now from Defector.com is David Roth. Good morning, David. Have you considered acting like Will Smith to get your dishwasher hooked up faster? I think that uh, that sort of toxic masculinity isn't the solution to the problem that I have of making my building do anything. <laughs> uh, although, yeah, of course I considered it. Yeah, I mean, if, if that's what I, if I thought that that's what it would take, um, if I could just simply <laughs> go down introduce myself to the new super who started a week ago and then just give him a, like a crisp open hand slap to the face. Like, I don't think he'd appreciate it, but like the fact of the matter is the thing isn't washing any dishes. We've been over this. If you did that, if you did that, would all the other tenants come up and like console you? Like Will Smith got consoled by Bradley Cooper and by Denzel. And it was almost like, Hey buddy, don't worry about it. You did the right thing. I loved that. That was so I mean, you know, like I'm like Hollywood is Hollywood. Like I don't, I'm not the first guy to observe that uh, everyone there is ridiculous. 
But the idea that, like, right after you slap a guy for making, like, just an absolutely, like, sub-Bill Maher 25-year-old <laughs> reference, that, like, everyone comes up to you and is like, God saves his toughest battles for his strongest soldiers, man. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not like he just slapped a guy. Like, it's not the same to get, like, a really bad diagnosis or, like, like be the sole survivor on an airplane crash in the Andes. Like, he's still wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> he's still going someplace with past hors d'oeuvres afterwards, you know? What baseball player could walk up and slap Rob Manfred and nobody would do anything about it? It's Scherzer. He's the scariest. <laughs> I am so I can't tell you how delighted and how weird it is that he's a Met. I watched him in a spring training game the other day, and he was angrier in a spring training game during the afternoon on a weekday than I've ever been in my life. <laughs> and it was just he was just mad that people were like trying to hit the pitches he was throwing. Like it wasn't a weird situation. He was just up there like muttering and pumping ninety five mile an hour heat. He's like already stretched out. I don't know what the deal is with that guy. He threw six innings in that game. He shook off at one point like eight straight eight straight calls, and he was like pissed, and he was like you could see his face like we had give me the right call. Who could possibly have honestly like if he shook me off five straight times, I would just take my glove off and leave it at the plate and just walk <laughs> out of the stadium. <laughs> but I I love watching him. I mean I loved watching him when he wasn't pitching for the Mets. But he's got this. I'm appreciating it more now that he seems like a pretty normal guy when you talk to him. Like he's intense, but he's not like. In the way that, like, Zach Granke is just constantly wandering through his own mind palace, you know, and is just, like, on his own personal journey. Scherzer's, like, a guy you could have a, a normal conversation with for an hour, except for when he's pitching, and then he's just, like, venom or something. Like, it's just, like, really a 180-degree difference in personality. Uh, I have an important Zach Greinke question for you. He has yes. nine career home runs and nine career stolen bases. He has said that he wants to get to 10 in each category for his career. But now that there's a universal DH, that might be impossible. Uh, should the Royals let him hit when he is pitching this year? Well, this is this is a bait question. Yes, you should let him hit whenever he wants to hit. I mean, I feel like what else are they really playing for this year? They're like sort of starting to get good. But I feel like that's what everybody really wants to see is Granky doing weird Granky things. There's a story that I guess it was the Athletic would run uh, those stories where teammates or former teammates of Granky would just tell their Granky stories. And there was one where he, I don't remember who it was. There's somebody on his team, like a hitter, who was in a slump. And Granky's like, "Do you want? I can watch some tape with you if you want. If you think that would help." And the guy was like, "Oh, sure, Zach. Thank you. That's like a." sort of deceptively normal offer to make. I wonder where this is going to go. And Greg, he just had tapes of his own homers queued up on his computer and like showed them to the hitter and was like, try doing that. You see what I did there? Like, I think that might be a good tip for you where I hit the ball really hard, but just a, a beautiful mind. It's a shame that he's in the American league, but I really love that he's back with the Royals. And I hope I mean, he's been like getting by with like 85 mile an hour heat the last few years. Like I kind of feel like he could do that forever or until he gets bored. It's a shame where people aren't like him because one thing in sports, and you'll know this between football, basketball, and baseball, and maybe because they're they play the whole year and they're around reporters all the time. There seems to more be more kind of rockheads in baseball than anyone. Yeah, I mean that's like the sort of I guess it's you know big rosters and stuff like that. But I've often kind of like wondered about that, like that there's some real. I guess it's just like cultural too. You know that like the American baseball guys have this kind of like weird copish like they're always like looking to like tell somebody not to do something type of vibe 
like, I guess red ass is the technical diagnostic <laughs> term for it. And, like, that's got to cycle out, you know, to a certain extent. Like, I just feel like there's no, first of all, like, no 23-year-old should be like that. And there's no way that a league that's, like, where, like, 70% of your people that are in the 20s should be like that. Like, most younger people are a little more chill than that. Like, it's not, every, you know, generation is going to turn out a Brian McCann or two. But they sh- it's not 7 out of 10. Uh, I was unfortunately uh, doing what I assume you've done for the last two weeks and watching a Mets spring training game last week. Yeah, and, it feels great, right? Um, they, the, <laughs> the announcers were telling a story about Jacob deGrom ordering pizza, and it was under his last name, but he forgot to give him his, I don't know, his, what I gave him the wrong name and couldn't get his pizza. But during the story, the announcer was like, Jacob deGrom has the worst diet of any athlete I've ever seen. Is this just like a known thing where deGrom gets ripped for how bad his diet is? No, this is new. I'm glad you brought that up because it's like it's one of those things where like I have you know my Mets fan DM where we can talk about it, but like I can't like hash this out with like normal people in my life or like my wife to be like you know I just found out that Jacob Degrom only eats pineapple. Like she does not want to know that, you know. But like yeah, it was that was completely new to me and it was surprising because he is famously like just like a monk about like working on pitching stuff, like going and like deciding he needs to change his release point five degrees and he just goes home all summer and drills it into his muscle memory. Like he's a freak with that. So the idea that he's like that and then just like eats an entire box of fruity pebbles for lunch and falls asleep <laughs> in a chair doesn't make any sense to me. Like I, I found it very endearing, honestly. Like I, like, cause I kind of had just assumed that there was nothing but discipline in his life. But apparently there's also, you know, room for uh, like a meat lover's pizza every single night. Uh, here's a serious question for you as a Mets fan. How many innings has he pitched this year? Oh, God, I mean, I'm, my hope, so this is like a cagey answer here, is that like it is the exact number that he can pitch without getting injured. And I worry that he's going to, I mean, it's an, old, it's an old-fashioned manager in Buck Showalter. It's an organization that does not ever do well with limiting innings or injuries as a result. If he throws 150, I'd be fine with that. I would love to see him come back and, and actually do what he does. And the, the whole stuff with his injury last year was really strange because it, it never really fully came out. But I always had the sense that uh, the team was convinced that he was hurt and he was not, and that that was the real issue. And it seems like, you know, broadly speaking, he was right. Like, there was never a diagnosis in it. There was always... You know, there were strains and there was discomfort and stuff like that. But he's one of those guys that's like a, like believes that he has this sort of like freakish communion with his own body that he like understands exactly what's happening. And so they would take him out of games and be like, I'm struggling, but I'm not hurt. Like, I don't need to go on the IL. And, you know, it's the Mets. Like, I would honestly trust his intuitions over their team of doctors just based on the track record. But I hope that they don't blow him out. You know, I think they're going to ramp him up slowly. But my guess is that like, by high summer, if he's healthy enough, they're just going to let him pitch as much as he possibly can. I just, you know, whatever. It depends if the games matter or not, you know. I and mean, if they mets it again, then like, yeah, you could throw a hundred innings and spend the last two months in a hot tub, and no one would notice. All right, which side do you? Uh, which side of the coin? You want Shashevsky to do it, or God, please don't let that happen. I mean, it's really more the latter. But at this point, I'm just kind of dispirited by this final four, man. Like, I love the elite, the like. Sweet 16 games were great. The Elite Eight games were just like the experience of being on a long bus ride to me. Like, just you could tell that, like, eventually you're going to disembark at Villanova being there again. And you're uh, sort of poked through traffic till you get there. The thing with Duke, 
and this is a point that uh, Ray Ratto made when we were talking about this yesterday, is that, like, the thing that I think he thinks everybody hates about Krzyzewski now is just that he's still there. That he's like right. he's an anno- he's kind of annoying, he's kind of smug. But the issue is that it's just been forty years of watching this guy make the same three faces and yell at refs on the sidelines. And I, I, I in many ways, I want to be as enlightened as Ray Ratto, uh, and I'm nowhere near that. But I can't quite get there. Like I'm still mad that he's there. Uh, the team itself is very likable, and I actually find them really fun to watch. It's just. And I think they've got as good a chance of winning it as anyone. Like I think if I had to, my bracket's like been in the toilet for a week now. But if I had to pick out of these four teams, like that's the best offense in college basketball this year. Like he's done a great job with them. The players are really good. Bancaro is really good and really charismatic. I just need to try to forget who their coach is. I think if I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, in the NBA, is there another team besides the Heat where the best player and the head coach could have a verbal fight during a timeout, and you think, oh, that's probably good for them? It's they're such a magical organization because it's that's clearly like the identity that they've taken on. Obviously, it's like Jimmy Butler's whole thing. But the idea of Jimmy Butler getting jammed up for seemingly not trying or not focusing is really interesting. The Heat having a, a designated old head who's basically my age in Udonis Haslam, <laughs> whose job is to sit there on the bench and then periodically threaten to beat a teammate's ass during practice <laughs> or games. Just an, an, an unusual organization. Because, like, I don't think the answer's not even close. I mean, like, if Westbrook yelled at, like, a coach in the last few years, like the coach would just be like, all right, man, like try missing fewer shots. You know, like there's guys that would yell, but with the heat, it's that's the only time where it's like somehow generating power for their psychosis. Like they're just also fired up. They're going to run sprints after the game for an hour. Is the fact that UD is forever going to be in a pair of warm up pants that never come off part of the like, <laughs> No, no, they want him as an assistant coach, but he's like, I need to stay loose so that way if something goes down, I can't be in a suit. It's so I feel like there has to be a middle ground there because it's very obvious that like he still plays like the last three seasons he's played like fifteen minutes. But he still gets in there. Like every now and then they'll put him in and he like gives a really hard foul and yells at some rookie and they're like, Good, it's working. This is we made the right choice. But at some point, especially on a team that like practices the way they practice like, wouldn't you want a like an NBA player on your roster there, and you could just have Haslam wear the exact same outfit, but give him a whistle or something? I think everybody's just they're just afraid to be like Udonis. Like the time is up because, like, first of all, he's an icon of the franchise, but second of all, like that would require like telling him something that he doesn't want to hear, and I don't think there's anyone in the organization that gets paid enough to want to do that. Well, he's David Roth from Defector.com. David, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks, David. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You too. Uh, Udonis Haslam has played 11 games this season. How many times this year do you think he doesn't actually have his basketball jersey on under his warm-ups? <laughs> Four? I'm going to say anytime they're playing, we played that thing where we were like, all right, these teams are in the playoffs and you need to beat them. Anytime the Heat are playing those teams, <laughs> that guy has a pair of like sweats underneath his sweats. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some NFL and the potential new overtime rules. Your staff complete, and who do you envision calling plays on offense? Yeah, I won't be calling any for a while. So right. we're not calling any for a while. Only games are all. So um, yeah, I think our staff is complete. I wouldn't rule anything out, but I don't. I don't think we necessarily would hire anybody else. 
but we'll evaluate every situation as it comes. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. And I have some bad news for, for my own personal life. Uh, this K-pop concert, BTS, that I'm going to with yes, my girlfriend yes, yes. in less than two weeks. Yes. Two of the members of that band have tested positive for COVID. <sighs> At two weeks, I think you'd be fine. Hopefully. The, the, the fear, though, is that there's, I think, seven of them, that more than two will test positive for COVID in the next two weeks. Well, they don't spend any time together. The And the, the bigger problem is that my girlfriend's favorite member of the band is one of the is two one of that them? has tested positive. So you know, a favorite member of the band? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you have to have a favorite. Yes. Do you not remember you punching a cardboard cutout? That is true. That yes. is true. You got to have a favorite member true. of the band. Uh, so the solution to this problem is you are going to walk up and love makes you do crazy things and you're going to slap him and that'll get rid of the COVID. No, we're going to end up buying tickets to a second show on oh. the second weekend and maybe go to it twice. No, <laughs> you got to go see those guys two times. I mean, listen, I'm fully expecting it to be a great show. They're like the most popular musical artist on the planet. I'm fully expecting the show to be amazing. Is this at Allegiant? Yes. And they play April. They play not this weekend, but the next weekend. And then the following weekend, they play Friday and Saturday, both weekends, both in Vegas. Yep, they play four shows at Allegiant Stadium, a Friday, Saturday, and then the next Friday, And my Saturday. guess is they're all sold out? Yeah, I mean, you can buy them on Ticketmaster. People are selling are them selling on Ticketmaster. So, like, we, our plan might be to, like, we have decently nice seats for the first show. We might buy the cheapest ones for the next weekend, just in case, like, we got to be in the building because our favorite member had COVID and couldn't be there for the first what set of shows. What a disaster. Yeah. You'd really want to see it twice? Even I, if it's a great show and you're good seats? Yeah, why not? I mean, here, yeah, here, okay, here was the comparison. <laughs> Last year, during my girlfriend and I's 10th anniversary, we went to San Diego. Right. And we went to all three Padres Astros, Astros games, games. Because she's amazing, even though she hates baseball. And my thought logic was like, well, we're in the city the Astros are playing, and I would be an idiot not to go to the games. Right. This is her favorite band. They're going to be in the same city that we live in. So you're back to back weekends. So might as well go twice. Even if they do all perform the first time and the second time, why wouldn't we pay for the cheapest seats to be there a second time? Give you credit. Good for you. Good for her. I think it'll, I mean, honestly, I think it'll, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm not dreading going. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's got to be good. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sure they're great performers. There's no question about that. I've seen them on TV. They're great performers. So, might be, going, you tell, might I be going to two of them. Should I be able to tell you a song? You probably would recognize I'd a recognize song because, song. I'd like, recognize it. They, they're on, like, commercials. Right, stuff. they're on, yeah. I've seen them on TV. I've seen them on right. New Year's Eve. I saw them, like, on special special shows that, right. they, that they perform it. You probably recognize a couple songs because they have a lot of songs that are right. in English or ninety percent in English, whatever. A lot, of, most of their popular songs are mostly in English. So yeah, you probably are they know so popular they don't even have an open. Uh, that's a good question. I have no idea. I have genuinely no idea if there's an opener or not. We saw Garth Brooks. He's too popular. No, really? let's go. Just he let's just go. walked out. What time did he start? Did he start on time? No. <laughs> but how late was he? <laughs> Thirty minutes. Oh okay.
That's not, not bad. too bad. <laughs> My son went to see at Brooklyn Bowl a rapper the other night. He said he was supposed to start eight, didn't come out till ten. Oh. 10.30, 10.40, played 45 minutes. He and Sam went, uh, and uh, another guy, and maybe played for an hour after being way... Uh, almost three hours late? Almost three hours. That's brutal. That's brutal to sit there. What are you supposed to do for three hours at Brooklyn? I they actually almost walked out, and then they said, we got to hold on. Because Okay, here's the other question. How early did he get there? How did they get there? How early did your son get there? Well, he got there when it was supposed to start. Okay, because like I'm, I'm halfway expecting that whatever time we're supposed to be at Allegiant, Allegiant we're going to be there an hour before. Yeah, and so if they're like then three hours late, what the hell am I doing for four hours? They won't be three. Hours I don't late. think they will. No, be they there. won't be three hours. I late. think they'll be right on time. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's a cultural <laughs> thing there. <laughs> they'll be early and be like, oh. People aren't in you their get seats. there an hour early, they're, they're, they're already playing. They're already started. Like, Wait, what happened? <laughs> so that's what I'm hoping. But uh, yeah, they need to stop getting COVID. One of them got COVID here. They flew here because the Grammys are coming up or something like that. Are they already on tour or is this like a kickoff for their tour? I don't think it's a tour. I think they're just doing the four oh. shows in Vegas. And oh. I, I, I might have to look this up. I think they're big enough. They don't actually go on a tour they just decide we're showing up to your city and playing in your biggest venue when we want so remember during those meetings we have to get beyonce we have to get beyonce this is the current we did not get beyonce it still hasn't happened but we got bts this is probably bigger than beyonce so that is funny we still have not gotten beyonce all those, all those meetings about Allegiant Stadium. Did they get Stadium, Taylor Swift yet? No. All those meetings about Allegiant Stadium yeah. was Beyonce, Beyonce, Beyonce won't come to a lot Vegas. Of Taylor Swift because we don't have also. a stadium. We haven't yeah. gotten either one. No yeah. Beyonce, no Taylor Swift. Yeah, right. we jumped those. We went straight to <laughs> BTS. Unbelievable. We also didn't get the World Cup, which they promoted to it. Like, ah. Yeah, they brought Beckham in. Yeah, here comes Vegas. Oh, that you that guys meeting? are going to have the World Cup. And then the yeah. World Cup rolls around like, ah. That's too much money. We don't want to do that. Like, come on. The one event I want you guys to have? Unbelievable.